Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for parent entrepreneurs raising kidpreneurs. It's time for your weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. And now we'd like to introduce your host. She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Brunson. Hello, and welcome to episode number 50 of the Familypreneur podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Intro to Social. When you're trying to build a business, it's essential to have a presence on social media. And in my free Intro to Social course, I've joined forces with industry-leading experts to help you identify which platforms your business should be on. After completing the Intro to Social course, you'll gain the knowledge and resources to build a strong social media presence for your business, one platform at a time. Go to introtosocial.com to download the free workbook and gain access to the free course today. Go ahead, pause the podcast. We'll wait for you. Now let's introduce today's guest. She is a Pinterest strategist, marketing addict, and obsessive planner with a passion for helping entrepreneurs grow their businesses through strategic marketing with Pinterest. When she's not teaching entrepreneurs the secrets of Pinterest, she's drinking way too much iced tea and traveling with her husband. Today, I'm excited to welcome one of the leading Pinterest experts on Pinterest marketing for business, my go-to resource, the founder of KatherineMorehouse.com, Catherine Morehouse. Hey, Catherine, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure to join you. Oh, I'm so excited. I feel like we've been trying to coordinate this for a while, so I'm glad to finally get you on. I know. It feels like ages, but at the same time, as we were just chatting, there's just so much going on always, you know, trying to fit everything in and plan all this stuff, especially at the end of the year, I find. It just, everything sort of happens at the end of the year. (laughs) Right. It's only going to get worse. So Yeah. (laughs) So I'd love to start. You are not a mom right now. So that's one thing. You're not one of our traditional parent guests, but we have had some non-parents. So that's totally fine. But you and your husband both work from home and you just went through this huge move. So I'd love to hear about the dynamic in your household, despite the fact that kids aren't involved, how being a familypreneur looks to you. So yes, we don't have kids yet. It's definitely on the cards. We are planning to do that. But at the moment, it's just my husband and I, and we both work from home. So it is a very interesting situation where He actually got started, I think, about 15 years ago now as a graphic designer, web developer, just all-around magician in the online world. And when I went into corporate right in the beginning, he was working from home already. So he was basically one of the first people besides my parents who had demonstrated entrepreneurship and working from home and the dynamics. So when I ended up leaving corporate, I actually did a two-year doing au pair work. So kind of like a nanny. Um, Mm -hmm. I wasn't really sure the direction I wanted to go in. And I knew that I loved kids. So I was like, you know what, let me use this time. I was still pretty young at the time to just figure out what I want to do. And at the same time, help these kids (laughs) and like help this other mom who was in corporate at the time. So when I was working with those kids, 
again, I was married with my husband. I could see everything he was doing. And I kept looking at it going like, this is exactly what I want. I want a very similar lifestyle. I just didn't know yet what I wanted to do and what skills I had to offer. To me at that point, it seemed like such a huge jump from the traditional corporate world where you get told if you've studied this, I studied business and marketing, that you could do corporate marketing. I had no idea about social media management. I had no idea about online marketing. I had no idea about any of that. Even though I was a millennial, <laughs> you just, at that stage, you, you didn't think that it was possible because what you'd been taught was very straight and down the narrow path instead of thinking, what could you do online? So I thought, you know, he was an artist. That's the only reason that he could work from home. <laughs> Until we started chatting, I started, you know, understanding a bit more about what he was doing. And then I realized, actually, you know, I can do things online and I should try. So the first business that I started was a baby clothing business. And that was, again, inspired by the kids that I was working with and the fact that I could market it online and I could use the skills that I had online. At that point, again, still, I didn't know about social media management. I just knew you used social media for your marketing. So it was, I didn't realize you could outsource that to, to a freelancer, for example. It was like, you do your social media marketing or you do social media marketing for a company. So I started my business. We both worked from home and eventually I went full-time to work from home. And that was just absolutely amazing. We were both, like I say, working from home, both doing our passion projects, our businesses and everything that we wanted to do. And it was, it was actually really great. A lot of people asked us, how do you work from home together? Like, how do you spend that much time together? Because not only do we work from home, but we work in the same office. And we work literally 24-7 at home. And then when we go out, our friends are the same people. So we've, because I moved to where he was living and I actually became friends with him and his family and his friends. And so we had the same friends. So everything we did was together. How did you do that? <laughs> and to this day, I still think the reason why it works so well is because when you work in an environment with someone else, you learn to communicate and understand each other and understand the dynamic of the situation. It's the same in corporate. It's the same anywhere you work. You start to realize how you should engage with people um, and specific people in your office. So it was exactly the same. And it was actually so good for our marriage because starting out having to communicate because we were working in the same environment meant that we actually communicated more and there were a lot less issues or fights or potential disagreements or anything like that because we found a really simple way to communicate that was effective because we had to do business in the same area, because we had to do all of that. So any personal things that we may have may have turned into disagreements, let's put it that way, didn't because we had developed the right way to communicate. And that all came from the business came from running two businesses in the same office. So I always say to people, it's actually really such a blessing because it's helped in more than just the business environment. It's helped in our family environment. And then eventually I was connecting with other entrepreneurs and I entered the social media marketing realm, which again was new to me in terms of being a freelancer in that area. And so I started that business and that grew really quickly and really amazingly over the last couple of years. And so again, we've been working in the same environment, different businesses, you know, we've created new businesses, we've done different things, but the dynamic in terms of working at home has stayed the same throughout. So it's been the same setup, it's been the same environment, 
And like I say, it's been such a blessing. And then recently, like you said, we did a move. So we moved from South Africa. That's where I'm originally from. So that's where we moved from. We moved from South Africa to Canada. And that was quite an adventure. I mean, we stopped for a month in Scotland. So we stayed with his family for a month in Scotland before we moved to Canada. And then we obviously moved to Canada. So for two months, everything was very crazy. We're obviously in one foreign country, moving to another foreign country. And it was just insane. Let me put it that way. In a good way, in a very good way, because we got to travel Scotland and we obviously landed in Canada. But crazy because we had to manage three different currencies. Well, actually four. South African Rand, the British pound that we were using in Scotland, the Canadian dollar that we were going to be going into, and the fact that we earned in United States dollars. So it, like, like just trying to manage everything and the flow of you know everything you're doing and keeping your mind on track as to where you're on your business. That was probably the most challenging part was just trying to manage time zones and exchange rates and everything that you had to do. But again, the interesting thing is we decided we would get rid of all our computers before we moved. And as a business owner, that's like where we make our money. (laughs) Right. So we thought, okay, well, we'll use an old laptop we have and we'll use that while we're in Scotland. And then we'll purchase new computers when we get to Canada. Because if you purchase the same computer that you want in South Africa, you have to pay double because of the import duties and the shipping and everything. Ah. So to purchase the electronics in Canada would have been a lot cheaper. And again, also a lot cheaper than it was in the UK, um, specifically the ones we were looking for. So we we're like, let's just, we'll get it when we're in Canada. So when we were in Scotland, we were sharing a computer. So we went from both having businesses, having our own computers, working in the same environment and in the same office to sharing a laptop in a foreign country in a room of his, like, you know, one of his family members. (laughs) So we've had a lot of interesting changes over the last couple of months. But then when we moved to Canada again, we both got our same, you know, new computers and everything. And we're sitting at the same same table now. He's basically opposite me right now. And we set up again, exactly like we were in South Africa. And it still works perfectly. So it's been a really interesting move. But I think throughout it all, the one thing that I've learned is you always have your partner's best interest at heart. I don't want his business to struggle and he doesn't want mine to struggle. And I don't want him to struggle and he doesn't want me to struggle, which means we do everything we possibly can to make life, to make business, to make everything better for the other person. And in turn, they do that back. And so we found that that works really well for us because if I worry too much about my own business, And about, I'm not getting laptop time. I'm not getting this. I'm not getting that. You know, like when we're moving and when we're doing crazy things like that, then um, you can start to resent the environment you've set up instead of turning it around and saying, I want to worry about you. I want to make sure that you're okay. Have you had enough time on the computer? Have you, you know, do you have access? Is there any issue you have? Like today I had to do computer updates and the first person I speak to is my husband and I'm making sure that everything's running perfectly. And if he has a question about something, like he had to purchase something to have business, he asks me for my advice because we know that we can trust each other in both the business realm and in the personal realm. And I think that's such a great thing to have when you both work from home and you're like family premier, you know what I mean? So right. It's, yeah, it really is truly such an amazing experience. 
And I didn't even know all of those little intricacies of the story. So like I've been following a little bit. Like I, I saw that you were in Scotland. I saw little bits and pieces through social media. How long did it take you? You might have already mentioned this and I just forgot. So like leaving South Africa, arriving in Canada. How long was that? Well, we left South Africa and we spent a month in Scotland. So it took a month before we ended up getting to uh, Canada. And then we spent 10 days in the city we had to land in. Because if you immigrate, you have to land in a specific city and do some paperwork. And then after 10 days, we moved to a different part of the province where we then obviously carried on with our paperwork and got set up. So we're still in the Airbnb now. And it's been, I think it's almost been two months in Canada. Oh, man. But now you're back on your own devices, at least. Yes, we're on our own devices. We both got on new computers, which is fantastic. But yeah, we saw an Airbnb and we're going to figure out, hopefully, some long-term accommodation. <laughs> but, you know, it all falls into place at the right time. And it's been a very, very exciting journey. We have bought a car, so we're getting there. <laughs> so we're getting there, like I said. Baby steps. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is incredible. I can't even fathom having to share a laptop. So I think it's incredible that you guys have a system that works, that you guys made it a month. Really, five weeks-ish when you consider that 10-day layover and things like that. That's incredible. That's an incredible balance. And I love that mindset of just putting the other person first to constantly check in with them. Now, you obviously work very closely together. But do you collaborate on projects together or has that not happened yet? Well, he collaborate on projects. Well, in a sense... Do you ever share a client, you know? Yeah. I've, I've been thinking we have done projects together with some clients where... I've maybe given some advice or I've spoken to the clients and things like that. But we don't really collaborate too much because a lot of times the people that deal with him in terms of the branding and the web design, they aren't ready yet to take on the kind of marketing that I do. And it's the same the other way around. So the kind of people I work with don't have the same design style that maybe he has. So it hasn't really gelled in that way yet. But in terms of our businesses, we've collaborated quite a bit. I help him with marketing and he helps me with design. (laughs) Got a great website. I love the design of your website and all your PDFs and stuff. So So kudos to him. So tell me more about your business. Like we might, we just talked about how amazing your site is branded. I've gotten some of your opt-ins like to optimize your Pinterest page and maybe you're just savvier than I am. I have no clue how you made those like checkable in the PDF, (laughs) but I was super impressed with all your materials. So I'd love to hear specifically about Pinterest and how that became your focus. And then possibly we can get into some tips too. Definitely. So the firstly, the checkable thing, again, I have to give credit to my husband. I sort of sent him the PDF and I was like, I need this to be clickable and I need people to be able to write in here. Can you do this for me? <laughs> so he, he knows exactly how to do it. And he has taught me, but I must admit that I've forgotten <laughs> already. <laughs> when you don't do it often enough, you can, you can forget it quite easily. So hey, you got to um, keep some of those secrets. So I'm totally yeah. fine. <laughs> We'll have to plug your husband. So if yeah. anybody wants help making their PDFs clickable. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. So in terms of getting started on Pinterest, I started connecting with some entrepreneurs. One of the entrepreneurs, Lila Higgins, she had a Facebook group that I joined and it was for makers. So it was at the time that I had my baby clothing business and we connected a little bit and she said she was going on vacation and she wondered if I would take over her Facebook group. And she had seen what I'd done with my own 
Facebook page with my, you know, my social media for my business. So she trusted me to be able to look after the group for the time that she was away. So I was like, I definitely do that. I hadn't done it before. So it was sort of stepping out of my comfort zone, but I was like, let's go with it. And this was quite a while ago now. So this was like right in the beginning. And then after that week, she came back and I chatted to her and I said, is there anything else I can help you with? Just as a way to connect, as a way to network, also just to see if there was anything that I, like skills I had that could help her and vice versa. And she had said to me that she was looking for a social media manager. If I was interested, she would love to hire me. And I hadn't thought of that at all. Now, I had a marketing degree. I had a business degree. So I knew I was capable because I had studied social media marketing. I studied it corporate and I was doing it for my own business. So I knew that I could do it. And I was like, well, this is an interesting new avenue. Let me, let me see what comes from it. So I did a bit of research. I came up with pricing structure and she went for it. And she was like, yes, please. So I started with her the one month and it was about two months later. I had five new clients from referrals. And then a couple months later, it was 10 clients. And so it just sort of grew like that. And at that point, I was doing overall social media marketing. So everything from Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, StumbleUpon, everything. And I realized a couple of months in that I really enjoyed Pinterest. I knew I loved Pinterest years before that because I'd already said to my husband years and years before that, if only I could get paid to pin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's so funny how things turn out. (laughs) So then what happened was I chatted to a business coach and she was like, Catherine, I'm paying you just for Pinterest. Surely there are other people like me who would also just like Pinterest services. And at that point, I thought, no, I'm sure everybody just wants social media marketing. How can I niche down to just Pinterest management? And she assured me, she was like, Catherine, I am actually hiring you purely for Pinterest. So surely there must be. And the more I thought about it, the more I worked through it, I decided this was the avenue I was going to go. So the reason I actually chose to do this was because I was getting great results with Pinterest. But not only that, I had access to the back end of most people's websites, the blog posts, all of that. And I was creating this content for them. And I was sharing it across all their social media platforms. And for me, I saw the best results from Pinterest. And I felt like my time was leveraged with Pinterest. When I added a blog post to Pinterest, I would get traffic from that blog post a month later, two months later, three months later, a year later. I had a client who a year after starting with her, one of the highest referrers of traffic in terms of a, a single blog post was a pin that we added a year before that. And I was like, how on earth is this blog post still getting traffic? Because besides Google, I was like, Facebook was getting a couple of clicks until I reposted again. And maybe I got one or two clicks, not 500 clicks on something a year later. So it just opened my eyes to the fact that I could, all the effort I put into one piece of content, like a blog post, could be leveraged for years to come. And to me, that was worth it, especially when you were putting in the effort to create it. So I decided to niche down to Pinterest and I sent an email to all my clients and all of them changed to uh, my Pinterest management services, except for one. She decided that she was going to switch her business and go in a different route anyway. So she wasn't doing blog posts or anything like that anymore. So I was like, yeah, it's not going to work too well with Pinterest then. So yeah, I mean, and then all of them switched to this new package that was niche down to Pinterest. And from there, it's just sort of grown. I've moved from services for Pinterest to digital products where I take people through the process to now 
a program and a coaching program to help people set up their profiles and to really get the return they're looking for. So it's been such an amazing journey going from social media management all the way to um, where I am today. What has focusing down done for you? So like, has it changed the way that you show up in your business? Are you feeling more confident about it? Have your prices gone up a little bit? Like, have you been able to raise your prices despite niching down? Definitely. So when I first got started, I was very general, like I say. So I had an hourly rate and I did all the social media channels and I was overwhelmed. I was extremely overwhelmed because each platform has a different way that it should be managed. And content should be added to it differently with a different perspective and a whole different way of sharing that content and creating a marketing campaign around it. So it took a lot more time when you were managing all of those because you had to switch your focus so often. And I really enjoyed Pinterest and I knew a lot about it. So when I niched down, I not only felt more confident, but I knew that I could spend more time learning about the platform and I could really take advantage of everything it has to offer. And because I was, and I was able to raise my prices, I actually switched from hourly to a package that was higher than all of the, the sum of the social media package sure. just for Pinterest. So it made a huge difference. It made a huge difference in the way I felt every day I woke up. It, it made a huge difference in the amount of time I had to dedicate to each Pinterest profile. And I obviously felt a lot less stressed because I was being paid properly. I was focusing on something I really enjoyed and I was able to get the results that they needed because I focused in. And when you focus in on something, doesn't matter what it is you do, dieting, eating well, exercising, business, finance, anything like that, if you focus in on it, you can improve that area of your life. And so when you focus in on managing only a Pinterest account, for example, you actually get way better at it than if you're trying to focus on too many things. So I found that it was an amazing change in so many ways. And it's helped me as well in terms of the amount of mental capacity I have to have each day when I show up. It's, I feel a little bit better. I feel so much better because when I go on a Facebook Live, I know I'm talking about Pinterest. Everything I have to do is revolving around Pinterest. So I can clear away any other clutter in my brain when I'm focusing on business. And I can say, this is what I'm focused on. This is what I need to achieve. And it makes a huge difference. And yes, obviously your prices increase and things like that. I'm actually going through a rebrand now to increase again. So <laughs> it's a benefit of niching. <laughs> That's always good. Yeah. <laughs> and I appreciate you breaking that down. I think a lot of people get worried that by niching down, they're going to eliminate too many prospective clients. So by going broad, by offering all the social media platforms, you have a larger pool of prospective clients. But when you focus down on one platform, you got more qualified clients who were willing to pay you more for your expertise. So I just wanted to see if that was true, illustrate that point for our listeners who may be facing some of those. Definitely. I mean, it, it actually 10x, like it, it sounds so silly to say in terms of, but I know people think of it that way, it 10x my income from the first year that I started to when I niched down. And that wasn't because I put more time in. It was purely by focusing in, being able to offer a service that had validated results then because I was getting those results for the current clients I had, which meant I got more referrals because I was even better at what I was doing because I had more time to focus on it. So I was getting even better clients and better clients and better clients. People that I had wished that I could work with, there were people I was aspiring to be like contacted me to work with me. That's and awesome. That blew my mind. And that was purely because 
of niching down and focusing in and becoming that kind of person for them. And you mentioned blog posts before. So what type of content is really good for Pinterest? I feel like blog posts are the obvious ones. Is that the only type of content though? No, you can do written, visual, or audio content. So podcasts, products, let's go written. We would do blog posts, vlogs, videos, anything like that. So any content that you have on your website, even a services page, even something that talks about your services, any sales pages like that, those are also great. Your freebies are great on Pinterest, everything like that. Any kind of piece of content, really. Uh, You're not going to put your home page on Pinterest because you'd have to create a pin for it and it probably wouldn't be niched down enough on your home page. But any kind of topic that you have on your website. So if you create a product, that would go onto Pinterest. If you create a blog post, that goes onto Pinterest. You've got a podcast episode, a video episode, a vlog, a video series, free masterclass, a five-day email challenge, any page that they can sign up to or they can visit or anything like that really can go onto Pinterest. You just have to make sure that it's obviously content that is valuable. Great, great, great. Now I have to look into the audio stuff because I'm not sure that I'm maximizing this podcast on Pinterest. (laughs) Thanks for giving (laughs) me one more thing to do. With the basics, pins need to be long, right? That's still the best practice is that they're long. Yes, two to three in terms of the ratio. Can they be longer though or no? They can be longer. So there have been some updates this year where some people have seen it cut off at a certain level. So at the two to three ratio, the infographics are getting cut off. But again, the, the biggest reason why I don't say don't put longer graphics on is because I think Pinterest is updating and changes, it tests things, and then it takes them away. So in the beginning of the year, they cut off images at that level. So anything longer was getting cut off at a specific level, but that's gone away now. And I never want to say don't put it on because the thing is, until it becomes something that they say no in like one of their official reports, then it's a possibility. And infographics still perform really well. That's really long images. So for me, I would say you can do longer images. Just make sure you have some pins that are the two to three ratio, and then you can have some that are longer. Just have a good mix. Are there any rules or best practices when it comes to like colors and like types of images to use? Yes. So you want to stick to using brand colors because you want to build brand recognition. You really want to make sure. And a lot of times you'll hear people say that colors like the reds, the oranges, those kind of colors perform really well on Pinterest because they stand out. And it is true. They do. But if that isn't in your brand palette, then I don't encourage you to use that. It is great in terms of, you know, your recipes, maybe you've got like a tomato soup or whatever, then the red stands out really nicely. But if you're a service-based business and red isn't in your color palette, then it's not going to help build brand recognition. So it might get you a couple more views, but not necessarily from your ideal clients and not necessarily building brand recognition. So my thing is always make sure you've got your brand color palette together and that all of your pins follow a similar design style. So you can create a couple of templates so that a lot of your pins follow the similar style and make sure that they have the right branding in it. They've got your logo or your website or something like that. Got your colors. Because what happens is after seeing that pin a couple of times, people start to build that brand recognition I'm talking about and they start to trust you. So a lot of problems that people face on Pinterest is they don't know if this content is good content to repin. They don't know if they should click through on it because is it going to take them to an actual 
proper website. But the more people see your content, and if they've clicked through once and they liked what you did, the more they see your pins, they'll easily repin it without even thinking about it. They'll click on it without even thinking about it because they trust you and you want to build that trust. The more you build that trust, the more clicks and repins you will get on your Pinterest profile. So that is really important. And then again, very clear images. So if you're a product-based business, even if you're a service-based business and you use images, you don't want to have cluttered images. You don't want to have dark images that aren't easy to see. They must be very easy to notice and see and bright, stand out, those kind of things. You really want to make it something that if they scroll past, they'll stop or scroll down on Pinterest they'll stop and see it. And again, one of my biggest things with pin design is you need to be clear in the image what it's about because I've seen a lot of beautiful pin images, Eiffel Tower, champagne glasses, a wrist with a watch on it. I have no idea what they're selling. So I can pin it on my travel board, but maybe they were actually trying to sell the watch. So it's very hard for people to then, for you to actually get qualified clicks because people might be clicking for the travel-related aspect, and then they'll bounce very quickly. Pinterest will start to say, sorry, your content doesn't match what your pen is about because people are leaving so often and because we can see you talking about watches and this is about this. So really want to make sure that it's so simple for people to understand, but also very visually appealing. And as you know, I come from a place of Facebook. So at Facebook, we do not put text on our images. I know Pinterest, a lot of pins I see have text on them. Is that the best way to identify that this is for the watch versus this is for a trip to Paris? Is it putting the text on the image? Sometimes. So sometimes it is. Sometimes it's just setting up rich pins so that the actual title of the pin Mm. tells people it's a product and it's about the watch. Sometimes it's the way that the picture is taken. You could definitely overlay text or even have a little bit of text in the corner with your branding. And this is why branding is sometimes so important. Because if there was a brand, say, for example, JWD Watches or something like that, I'm just coming up with a name. I have no idea if that's even a watch company. So let's just put it that I'm just seeing a logo in my head. So in the top left-hand corner, for example, you've got this beautiful logo, very subtle, but it's there. It says JWD Watches. And I see this beautiful Eiffel Tower picture with an arm and a watch and champagne. I now know already it's about watches, not about travel, because I have seen your logo. If you've put your website at the bottom, I can see that it's to do with watches. And if I start to recognize your brand and your specific brand style, I will immediately know it's about watches. So it's all these different things that can play into helping people identify that it's about the watch instead of about the travel item, for example. So you can really decide, but that's why I always go with Pinterest templates. So you use the same kind of setup in your images, in your pictures. Now, Oreo is lucky. Uh, There are other brands that could be very lucky like this too. If there's an Oreo in the picture, you know it's about Oreo. (laughs) Generally, (laughs) you know what I mean? So if you have an unrecognizable product in the picture and it's not very well known, then you need to spend a bit more time trying to figure out how you can help people identify that this is what it's about. But if you have a very recognizable product, product, then it can speak for itself sometimes. And I've got one, I think one more question. (laughs) One more question in my like mini coaching call that hopefully is helping all of our listeners to get better on their Pinterest strategy. Do you A-B test different images for the same blog post? So I produce one blog post. How many images should I test different templates and things like that? Definitely. So I always suggest 
when you create one piece of content, for example, that you send out a couple of pins, different images for the same piece of content. The reason being that certain ideal clients that you have are attracted to different things. So some people will already be able to identify that the watch in the picture just from the logo is about the watch. Other people won't necessarily. If they don't know you, they don't read the logo or they don't see that, they might not understand that. So then you'll have an overlay piece of text. So you'll put it in the top left-hand corner. You'll put it nicely in the image so you know it stands out nicely. And people who, your ideal clients who needs you to tell them what something's about will react because they'll see the text, they'll read it, they'll see the image. I call them more rational people sometimes versus emotional because I feel like you have an emotional connection to an image versus a more rational emotion or rational response to text, for example. So you're looking at people who are looking at the text and they need the text to take action. Other people who just need the emotional response of an image. So again, like I taste these different things and I always make sure that I've got those out there because what happens is different people are attracted to different things. Sometimes it's even just your brand colors. You may have one pen that has the navy blue and one that has the army green and different people will prefer the different pen image and then take action on it. So I will still leave them up even though I've used it as a test. Okay, so I'll still leave it up because what happens is people will still continue to click through. No need to delete it because certain people will be attracted to it. One of them may outperform the other over time. It may also happen very quickly. You may start to see that the design element of one overpowers the other. From maybe five or six blog posts, you see that all of the blog posts perform better with the navy image versus the army green image. So now you know that that style, it may not just be about the color, but it may be the style that you used for that image works really well. So anytime you do a promoted pin, you use the navy one, that style of template versus the army green. Anytime you have something very important, you're going to put it in the top performing template. So again, you can test, refine your templates and things like that and keep going. But that's generally how I do that A-B testing and what I will do after I've tested it. Because I'll still leave it up. I'll still leave those templates up there. I'll still leave the pin images up there from the tests. But I will just, going forward, put the really important content in the best performing templates. And then again, if I create new templates, follow the same test and see. Now, are promoted pins, are they best for driving traffic? Or can you optimize them for conversions as well if you're selling a product or service? Definitely. So there are different kinds of promoter pins that you can do. But once you add the Pinterest tag, very similar to Pixel for Facebook, you're going to be able to pick up conversions on a variety of events. The events will be things like signups, checkouts, different things like that. You set the event in the tag that you want to track. And when you create the promoter pin, you can create it for the traffic campaign. And the traffic campaign will send your pay per click, but it will show you the conversions. So the whole idea is to get the conversion. So it will show you the conversion as in the checkout. Whatever conversion you chose for that page, it will show you how many products you've sold. And then there's video views. So you can do a video promoted pin. You can do a traffic one, impressions. And um, there's an app. I think there's app ones that they've introduced now too. I think you can promote your app. I can't remember. There's a variety. <laughs> I generally go with the traffic when I do promoted pins because most people would like to get the clicks to their website. And then they obviously want the email sign up. So that's mostly what we'll do with that. But if you're looking for product conversions, it functions exactly the same. You just set up the tag to track any conversions. And then you can start seeing how many people clicked on the product, how many people purchased the product. In the Perfect. Product. 
And then tell me a little bit about how you work with clients. So, I mean, I know we've, we've touched on it a little bit, but what are the different ways that people can work with you directly? And do you do both paid and organic pinning? Yes. So I work with clients one-on-one. I have a small group of clients that I work with and I do monthly management for that, meaning I take over the entire account. I do the pin image design. Really, it's a, I will do it for you because you have more important things to focus on in your business, like creating your own content and, you know, running your business and things like that. So I do everything from creating the pin images all the way through to anything you need to do on Pinterest promotions, promoted pins, all of that. If they want to do promoted pins and they want to do paid traffic, then I assist with that. I manage the promoted campaign and they pay for the actual campaign. Or I do most of the time organic Pinterest management. So it's all organic traffic that they're looking at. And when they're ready to promote for a specific thing, they'll go ahead and promote. So that's one way that they can work with me. The other way is for people who are looking to manage their own Pinterest accounts, but they need someone like me, for example, to take a look at their account and to really give them a strategy to implement. Because a lot of times they may know what Pinterest is and they may be okay doing it themselves and not ready to outsource, but they need a strategy and they need to know what they're doing wrong, what they're doing right, and what they need to do in the future. So I do a Pinterest audit. It's a two-hour video audit that they get. And then we hop on a one-hour, It's sorry, a 90-minute call to discuss a strategy. And then we discuss their strategy for the next 12 months that they need to implement with the action steps. So that by that stage, they know everything they need to change with their accounts and what they need to do forward. So it's really like I would be managing it. I'd follow the same procedure of telling you what you need to do and you would simply implement it. And then the third way to work with me is to join my program, the Pinterest Game Plan, which is everything I've learned and everything I do for my clients filtered into an eight-module course. It is a very detailed course. So it is, I guess, a comprehensive, a fully loaded Pinterest course. Everything from setting up Pinterest, even if you don't know where the start button is, let's put it that way, you don't know where to, to click to create a Pinterest profile, all the way to doing your first promoted pin. Strategy, the sales funnels, everything you need to implement. So that covers all of that. And with that, I do six weeks of group coaching. So we have that. We have a private Facebook group. It's really the best one-on-one and group space for us to connect and for me to teach you what you need to do. So those are the three ways that people can work with me. No, that's amazing. And I've had a pin that, from my perspective, went viral. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if like big people would say it went viral (laughs) and I'd have to look up what the stats are. So please don't. But I remember it just going crazy. And I'll never forget laying in bed and looking at my phone and seeing like another 10 people joined my email list and putting the phone down and picking it up and going, there's eight more. And my husband who isn't even in the space was like, what? I'm like, yeah, like I, in the past like 15 minutes, I've had like 20 people join my list. Oh, three more just came through and it was Pinterest. I know. That was sending the traffic. And like you said, that pin, and and I had no bloody clue what I was doing. Like that was just luck. So I know that Pinterest is a goldmine and I know that I'm not the only one who's underutilizing it. So (laughs) I really appreciate... (laughs) You've given me some content that I've posted in my Facebook group, Social Success Society. So there's this short video in there that you provided to us with some additional information. And it is different. I mean, we didn't 
I've watched both. So I think that people may want to go check that out as well. And then let us know where they can opt in for some of your freebies because they're great. So give us that information too. Definitely. Thank you so much. So you can find me at katherinemorehouse.com. And from that page, you'll be able to get my 10-step checklist if you're just getting started. And then you'll also be able to see how to work with me privately, how to work with me in the game plan to make sure that you have a fantastic 2019 with Pinterest. And then with the Pinterest audit, if you want to do that, just hit the contact button and let me know. So all of that is from the website, katherinemorehouse.com. And I want to say too, your checklist, even if you're not just getting started, like I, there were some takeaways in there that I hadn't done. I renamed my account. Like I changed my name because of some of the advice in that checklist. Like I said, I just wanted to point out that I don't want people to be, to feel like, oh, I'm not new. It wouldn't be good. Like even if you've got an established presence, I feel like the checklist is a great self audit almost, you know, like if you just want to see where you're at even something small like changing how my name was displayed on the account and then going through some of the steps. I don't want to give away your whole freebie, obviously, but going through <laughs> some of that stuff, I learned something new and I'm, I don't consider myself new to the platform. So I think, I think everybody should at least check out that checklist. It's so true though, what you say, because especially when you've been using Pinterest maybe personally for quite a while, Sometimes you can think there isn't much more to it, but there is so much more. And the great thing is even this year, they've added in so many new features for marketers. So it's never ending really. And I think you can take advantage of Pinterest at any point. And and like you said, even if you've already got accounts, it just helps you get it set up properly. And I think that was my situation as I've used Pinterest personally for so long. So then trying to incorporate business into it and it's a different mindset. So even though I'm confident in my ability to use it personally and I've had some accidental success with it, (laughs) it's a different mindset. So very helpful. Thank you again so much for taking some time to school us all on Pinterest and fill us in on your adventures. I feel like the travel thing is just the coolest to hear about. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I really enjoyed hopping on today. Um, Yeah, we've got a lot going on in the next couple of months as well, which is very exciting. Just trying to settle in and figure out where you want to live, you know? (laughs) Oh, well, I can't wait to see how it all plays out. (laughs) All right, have a good one. (laughs) Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. I love chatting with Catherine. And after talking to her, I feel like I am totally ready to go up-level my Pinterest game. You will find all of the links mentioned in this week's episode and the show notes at megbrunson.com slash 50. Now, last week, I welcomed John and Mark X. Cronin, the father and son co-founders of John's Crazy Socks, a venture that's inspired by John, a young man with Down syndrome. John's affinity for crazy socks, paired with his love of making people smile, made their mission clear to spread happiness. John's Crazy Socks is a social enterprise with both a social mission and an e-commerce mission, and every day they want to show the world what people with differing abilities can do. They've created 35 jobs, 18 of which are held by people with differing abilities, and they've shipped over 120,000 orders, earning over $4 million in revenue. You can go back and give that episode a listen at megbrunson.com slash 49, or just go back on your preferred podcast platform of choice. 
But it's a great and fun episode that is going to have some global appeal for anybody who may be listening to this one. Next week, we'll welcome Ami Quiriconi. She's a marketing and business development consultant by day and a self-help vigilante by night. Her career has spanned from inventing a recycled content countertop product in her garage while having two small children at the same time to creating two successful rural wedding venues and writing the only book on how to do that that's available. To using her creative and varied experiences to help other businesses grow and be successful. But along the road of entrepreneurship, she's banged her shins on a few hurdles and began to uncover the importance of parenting, mental health, and self-improvement, not only for her as a businesswoman, but also what she needed to know about being an aware parent to her now teenage kids. We're going to dive into the downsides of exposing our kids to entrepreneurship. So definitely, you're not going to want to miss that episode. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast today so you don't miss it. Thank you so much. Have a great week and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. It only takes a moment and let's be honest, it helps other parent entrepreneurs know how amazing this podcast really is. 